You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations, and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Feel like who art Ed? Who art Ed? Mr. Wood art Ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to great start. Welcome to Who Arted Weekly Art History for All Ages. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and today we're going to be looking at Kauai. Now, Kauai has become popular um, really all around the world, but it originated in Japan. And today we're going to dive into a little bit of its history, some of the unique characteristics, and some beloved figures like the iconic Hello Kitty. First off, the term kawaii translates to cute or adorable. It emerged in Japan during the 1970s, and since then it has become deeply ingrained in Japanese culture. Kawaii art is characterized by some of the emphasis on cuteness, but also innocence and a childlike charm. It often features vibrant colors, round shapes, and exaggerated proportions. Uh, Some of the common attributes we see would be like a big head, big eyes. The eyes and nose are close to the center of the face, rounded, chubby body, as well as simplicity. They want maximum impact with minimal detail. The design streamlined, sometimes even eliminating features like fingers or a nose, but everything that is included in the works makes some emotional connection. Now, I couldn't help but notice that all of these attributes of cuteness tend to relate to the proportions of a baby. Babies are born with disproportionately large heads, large eyes, and soft, chubby bodies. We often see them swaddled so they're wrapped up like a little burrito with a face. Also, a burrito with a face seems like it would probably be a perfect kawaii-type design. But that's neither here nor there. Now, as humans, we've evolved to instinctively protect those most vulnerable among us. And in a sense, the kawaii designs tap into that instinct. The figures represent the wide-eyed innocence to pull us in at that gut level. According to some of the sources I've read, the earliest roots of kawaii, though, can actually be traced back to like the 11th century, The thing is, those precursors were more seen as helpless, pitiful creatures that made the viewer sort of uncomfortable. 
Still, the first artworks we would call true kawaii can be traced back to the post-World War II era, when Japan was experiencing rapid economic growth and a shift towards a more consumer-oriented society. During that time, the concept of kawaii emerged as a form of escapism and a way to counterbalance the pressure of everyday life. One of the earliest manifestations of kawaii art was in the form of kawaii mascots. These mascots were created to represent various companies, organizations, even cities. And they were designed to be visually appealing as well as evoke feelings of warmth and friendliness. It's all about the vibes. But in 1974, the world was introduced to probably the best-known kawaii figure. It would capture the hearts of millions. And of course, I'm talking about Hello Kitty. Although, technically, her name would be Kitty White. Hello Kitty was created by Yuko Shimizu and produced by the Japanese company Sanrio. Hello Kitty quickly became a global phenomenon. Despite lacking a mouth, minimal facial features, Hello Kitty's simple design and timeless charm made her instantly recognizable and universally adored. Of course, I can't imagine Shimizu anticipated all of that happening at the time of creation. Yuko Shimizu was a freelance designer when she was approached by Sanrio to create a new character. She drew inspiration from her own cats and combined elements of Western and Japanese aesthetics to bring Hello Kitty to life. Initially, the character was just featured on a vinyl coin purse. But as her popularity soared, it led to the creation of a wide range of merchandise as well as cartoons and even theme parks. Hello Kitty's appeal goes beyond just her cuteness, though. She embodies qualities like kindness, friendship, positivity, making her a beloved figure among people of all ages. And I think that's something key to understand. While initially it may have been sort of marketed to younger girls, Hello Kitty and other kawaii figures really appeal to people of all ages, all segments of the population. Because really, who doesn't like a good, cute cartoon cat? or burrito, or a pizza. In some ways, it's just fun. But I think there's actually more to it than that. Hello Kitty has been a symbol of empowerment for young girls, as she defies traditional gender roles and encourages self-expression. In many ways, the cuteness is sort of countercultural. To have the tug of the heartstrings, the figure must be vulnerable. They're kids, pets, oddballs, and misfits. Of course, some of these kawaii figures use that perceived vulnerability to their advantage. In some cases, the looks deceive and the innocent-looking kawaii figure is actually quite mischievous and delights in creating mayhem. Kawaii speaks to a rebellious streak in a lot of people. As adults, we feel confined by social structures, the need to conform and meet standards of etiquette. Embracing these childlike figures can be a way of refusing to fully grow up or submit to the rigid demands traditionally associated with adulthood. There's a bit of an escapist element to kawaii culture as well. 
And that's probably why we see it not only showing up in illustrations and toys, but cosplay. While there's a rigid structure to work culture, when people get out of that environment, many want to get lost in the fun, innocent, and cute. And that's probably why the kawaii culture became so big, not just in Japan, but around the world. It's not just on stickers and cartoons. We see kawaii-inspired music with J-pop. We see kawaii-inspired fashion. It's really getting into all different aspects of life. And I, for one, welcome a culture embracing cuteness and the positivity associated with it. Kauai has become a global language of joy and self-expression, and I would argue it's not just an art form or style or movement that we want in this time. I'd say it's the style and the movement the world needs, probably at all times. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.